Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. I just got back from a summer conference in southern Norway. They had a conference that was called the Salt and Light Conference. It was an amazing time. We had something like 700 to 1,000 people that attended on the um, Wednesday evening and Thursday morning sessions where I spoke. It was a phenomenal reception. Uh, many of the people there had already heard about Back to Jerusalem, even though this was my first time speaking at this summer conference. Our books have been selling in Norway quite a bit. Um, we have several books. I forgot, actually, how many books have been uh, translated into the Norwegian language. And we've had several publishers that have partnered together with us in Norway. I'm, I'm so thankful for that because what that has done is that it has allowed for the Back to Jerusalem message to get to the church in Norway. And the reception was amazing. I spoke there on the 4th of July. <laughs> which was fun, uh, myself being uh, born and raised in America to be speaking on the 4th of July in uh, a Scandinavian country. So I, I started off by uh, telling them that it was a very special day, especially for me. I was born on the bicentennial year of America's birth, you know, the 200-year anniversary. And so I told them that uh, this is the 4th of July. This is the celebration of American independence. This is the day where we celebrate the original Brexit, and that got a laugh from everybody in the audience. Anyway, this week, as I was traveling down to Norway to attend the meeting, I was uh, thinking about uh, the impact of President U.S. President Trump's visit to North Korea. It's got there's been a lot of commentary coming from all over the place. Um, some of them have been absolute scathing reviews, uh, really not liking it at all. Uh, I I read an article in The Guardian, which I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, they just hammered him in, in The Guardian. There was a, um, uh, a, a, a journalist, I guess you can call him a journalist, named Michael, I'm going to say Fuches, um, because his name is literally F-U-C-H-S. Um, so, you know, B-A-C-H, I say Bach. So I'm thinking F-U-C-H may not come out. Uh, the way that I would want to say it. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a, a kind guess at his name and say Futures. Um, so this, this writer for The Guardian, um, he's, he wrote that Donald Trump had to publicly beg for a meeting with Kim Jong-un and to become the first sitting president to go to North Korea in order to get a promise of restarting working level talks. This is what substitutes for progress in Trump's reality TV diplomacy. If progress comes of this, then the ridiculous pageantry will be forgotten. But Trump's fawning over Kim has already squandered leverage and humiliated America. Over the last year, we've all watched Trump's made-for-TV bromance with the world's most brutal dictator, Trump 
thinks he's thinks Kim is his friend and a great leader. He even claims he quote unquote fell in love with a man who runs concentration camps and has people killed for speaking their minds. Well, I'm very happy that Michael at least acknowledges um, Kim Jong Un for who he is. It's nice to see. Uh, a liberal put down someone who runs a liberal nation like North Korea, but really, I want to I, I want to talk about what impact because leave all the politics out of it. Okay, I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not defending Trump, but I can tell you a few things about the impact of his policies. From unlike the writer of this article, I can tell you from what it's like on the ground. As I was driving to Norway. Um, I was in conversation with our North Korean team who's, who is working in North Korea. They have, um, arrived in China. And so I was speaking to them live from China about the operations inside of North Korea. And they were giving me an update on the situation from the ground inside of North Korea about how things have changed or not changed for them. So as we look at the, the situation for the church inside of North Korea, it's important to know that the, the people on the ground really don't care about Donald Trump so much. I mean, they have been brainwashed to think of him as enemy number one, and, and as all Americans are. So every single American, every American president is the leader of a baby killing, which is partially true, a, a, a baby killing um, uh North Korea mother killing um, uh, regime that wants to annihilate North Koreans, put them on their bar, literally put them on their barbecue and eat their flesh. Uh, the the cartoons that they have of Americans killing, ripping apart innocent, loving, kind North Koreans is on propaganda posters everywhere. In the country. So North Koreans, normal North Koreans, everyday North Koreans that are on the ground, they don't really watch the news so much. They don't have access to laptops. They'll never read that article that I just read to you about some bromance taking place between Kim Jong-un and President Trump. Uh, the North Korean regime has already spoken out and said that, you know, North, that America is still aggressive towards them. And there, there's a, there's a really important distinction to make here. Um, because the writer of this article is not the only person to say that this is bad diplomacy on Trump's part. I mean, former Vice President Joe Biden blasted Trump's weekend rendezvous with Kim as beneath the dignity of the U.S. president, emphasizing that Trump is coddling a tyrant at the expense of the American national security and interest. Oh, keep in mind that this is the same vice president that helped fly a plane load of cash money, so much cash that there wasn't enough U.S. currency to fill more than one plane load, more than one C-130 strapped down with, with literally pallets of cash being lifted on, put onto the airplane by forklifts. So they basically paid Iran to want to go into this trade deal, which I will, would love to take apart for anybody that would, that cares to listen, but it really doesn't apply to the church so much outside of the sanctions. The sanctions apply to the church. And that's where I want to keep the conversation because that's where I can speak 
the most about what's taking place is what is the impact on the church. Forget about my ideas politically because politically taking a plane load of cash into Iran is a nightmare because what that does is that supplies funding for the military, especially as it stretches across northern Iraq where we work, into Syria where we work, where several Iranian bases were supported with that cash in order to attack Israel that directly supports that directly uh, relates to us in the back to Jerusalem vision. But just keep in mind, keep that in mind when when this guy is attacking Trump, which is all political. So I get it. So this is this is a bit of of statesmanship and and moving your pawns and your pieces on a chessboard. And so in many ways, that's exactly what. Uh, Biden is doing. He's running for president. So of course he has to attack this. And so when he says that, you know, this is not cool that you're, you're placating a tyrant. Really? Is Kim Jong-un a bigger tyrant than the Ayatollahs that you gave cash money to and airlifted it to Iran and lifted sanctions like it was cool so that they could have a financial party and none of which actually benefited the people of Iran. It benefited the military of Iran, which is the exact same thing that is happening with North Korea. So anything that financially benefits North Korea doesn't benefit the people really benefits the leadership. So uh, there and there there have been similar situations compared, and I just want to address one more. It goes into the political rim. I'm sorry for those that don't want to listen to the politics of this, but it does seep into the impact that we are seeing in the church. And so that's why I just want to uh, preface this podcast with a little bit of ugly politics that get down dirty into the mud and slinging mud. Right? I I, I I'm I'm not. Um, defending Trump yet in his policies. I will get to that, but I am kind of attacking those that supported tyrants before and acting all indignant that this is kind of the first time that an American president has talked to a tyrant, which I'm not for. I'm not for supporting a tyrant that has concentration camps and persecutes Christians. I'm for um, seeing those tyrants removed from office. That's what I'm for. But there's a there's a Democrat from Ohio. His name's Congressman Tim Ryan. And he went as far as comparing the 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 connection between Trump and Kim Jong uh, Kim Kim Jong un with what took place in the 1930s with the British Prime Minister Chamberlain when he had his famous or infamous I should say summit with Adolf Hitler in 1938. And everybody remembers when Chamberlain flew back to the UK, stepped off the plane and was basically made a fool because the very agreement that he agreed on was very clear that it was it was appeasement that bought time for the Nazi regime to continue taking over uh, huge parts of Europe. And so basically this meeting in Europe with Chamberlain that Congressman Tim Ryan was comparing to was – he was basically saying that this was – appeasement he that trump is appeasing a dictator um it, you know what what basically happened was chamberlain thought that he was going to stop a war by appeasing the the tyrannical german leadership by giving them parts of czechoslovakia where there were about 3 million german speakers that hitler said this dude this is my last claim i just need to take this little bite this little piece of land and then it's all over i'm done 
You know, I just want to take the German, I want to take back the German speaking areas, you know, just a, a little bit of Austria, a little bit of Czechoslovakia, a little bit of Poland, and, and then I'll be all done. Okay. Can, can, can we agree there? If I stop there, can we agree about that? The main difference here is that France and Britain at this meeting in Munich did not want a war and they were willing to give anything to avoid it. Okay, that's our starting point. How does that compare to Trump and Kim Jong-un? Well, I'm going to share because I believe it directly relates to the church. And this is the thing. Please tell me what sanctions on North Korea were lifted. As a result of the meeting about one year ago between Trump and Kim Jong-un inside of Singapore, from Singapore up until Trump steps over the, the North Korean uh, demarcation zone inside on the 38th parallel and crosses over, shakes hand with Kim Jong-un, does a photo op. Uh, it's a historical moment. There are journalists literally fighting each other trying to get front spot to get the best picture and the best camera footage. So we, we see a meeting between an American president and a, a, a known tyrant that persecutes Christians, tortures their families, puts them in gulags, prison camps, as well as their family, children, parents, grandparents, and grandchildren. Uh, so there are very few people as evil to Christians as Kim Jong-un. So here you have a U.S. president becoming chummy on camera with a tyrant. So what does that translate into? Outside of the photo op, what does that mean? What sanctions were lifted? What financial benefit was given? What promises were announced? What promises did President Trump announce to Kim Jong-un? Did he promise to bring in business, lift sanctions, Bring in money. Did he promise to fly in C-130s full of cash, so much cash that there was not enough U.S. currency in the U.S. Treasury to cover it? So we had to also fly in euros and other currencies in order to cover the amount that was sitting on pallets that literally had to be unloaded and offloaded by forklifts. Did we see a lifting of sanctions? Did we see an investment from the U.S. government into North Korea? Did we see plane loads of cash flying into Pyongyang, unloading in Pyongyang and given to Kim Jong-un? Like we did in Iran. Did we see that? No. No sanctions were lifted. And in fact, they've actually gotten stronger. Or stayed just as strong. If you can't argue for them being tougher, you can argue for them being just as strong. The strongest they've ever been. And I speak from experience. I can tell you that after more than 15 years of working inside of North Korea, it's never been harder for us to get goods in or out of North Korea. In, in many ways, anything that's on the sanction list, forget about it. It's impossible. We cannot get in items that are on the sanction list. Of course, I'm leaving out Bibles, and uh, but those are, Bibles are not on the sanction list. North Korea doesn't want them, but we're taking them into North Korea anyway. North Korea doesn't want missionaries coming into North Korea, but we're taking those into North Korea anyway. What's not going into North Korea, even through our missionaries, are items that are on the sanctions list. Items like electronics, seafood, 
luxury items, trade items such as clothing, vehicles, vehicle repair parts. Those items are not making it across the border. So how is that affecting the church? So I just wanted to lay that out. So as we look at what Trump's impact is, I wanted to, one, lay out the arguments that were against him meeting with a tyrant, which I didn't see. Of If, if Trump had met with Kim Jong-un and lifted the sanctions without and, – and I, and I personally believe that Trump is in a position to lift sanctions – why? Because we are not seeing the nuclear activity that we have been seeing. So there has been – now there there are reports that are saying that North Korea is continuing their nuclear development. However, we are not seeing a testing of nuclear range rockets that we were seeing before. We're not seeing that kind of violent activity. Things have greatly quieted down in that region. The The – Likelihood of us going to war with North Korea two years ago was a much was much higher than it is today. So even if you hate Trump and you hate his policies, you have to concede that the war drums for North Korea has gone down. There have been war hawks that have wanted to see some sort of engagement with North Korea. And Trump, believe it or not, has actually been reported to pull them back. One of the things that they know about Trump, though, is that he would not be um, afraid to let the rockets fly into North Korea. So on both sides, it seems that the talks have calmed things down. And if that's all it takes is two people coming before a camera, getting their picture taken and talking with no change in policy whatsoever, but it brings down it, it, it brings down the simmering pressure that was building up under the lid that was about ready to explode then i mean how can we how can we be against that so i mean the fact that we're not in war directly affects the church that i'm working together with inside of north korea so the fact that they're not dying from american bombs and bullets is a big plus wouldn't you say i i mean i would i would say that that's a that's a huge benefit but how has Trump's visit impacted everyday North Korean life? Well, I can say that his his policies have impacted them a lot. The sanctions that he has put in place um, have kept goods from getting to the leadership of North Korea. He's basically starving out the leadership inside of North Korea. They're dying for food, money, resources. And so the international community is that, and this is good for you to know as well, most of the international community is crying out saying that we need to lift the sanctions because humanitarian aid is not able to get through. That's bogus. That's a complete bogus claim. The sanctions do not stop humanitarian aid from getting in. What it does stop is from humanitarian aid being used to feed the army or it limits it. The, 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 People that are stopping the aid from getting in is not um, the sanctions. The sanctions have nothing to do with the aid getting in. It has to do with the regime not getting the kind of money that they want. And then they have a trickle-down effect, no doubt about that. That impacts the, the, the living situation for everyday people. So sanctions are hurting everybody. 
from the highest of high to the lowest of low throughout North Korea. So every single part of the society is being impacted by the sanctions. No doubt about that. But sanctions are not stopping humanitarian aid. Humanitarian aid can still get through the sanctions that have been put on to North Korea. The problem with aid agencies is they don't have reassurance that their aid is not going specifically for the regime and the military. That's the big problem inside of North Korea. So North Korea doesn't even allow, allow the UN to do independent um, viewing of their distribution of their resources. Now, we have a back-to-Jerusalem missionary that independently oversees the aid that he's in charge of. And that's very, very rare. But when it comes to international aid agencies like World Vision, like Red Cross, like the um, UN Save the Children, basically what they have to do, what they're forced to do, is rely on um, North Korean agents, North Korean government officials to carry out the, the distribution. And then... To add insult to injury because the aid agencies would rather do it themselves so that they can take pictures and document and make sure that the aid is getting to the places where it's supposed to go, where it's intended to be distributed to. But that doesn't happen. What happens is North Korea sends out their agents, their North Korean government officials, and then to add insult to injury, they make these aid organizations pay huge salaries for these workers, workers that are imposed on these aid agencies. But when it comes to aid, let me just share this. Because if you want to know how these, the, how the Trump meeting with Kim Jong-un is impacting everyday people, I can tell you that it's not yet impacting anyone in North Korea, except for the fact that there's no war. So in that way, there is a direct impact on the people in North Korea of the meeting between Kim Jong-un and President Trump. North Korea, if you, if you didn't know, North Korea is experiencing more than just bombardment of news articles on their, their, their TV sites or their newspapers about Kim Jong-un and President Trump meeting together. They've been facing a massive crisis for the last two years. North Korea is experiencing the largest drought right now in decades. They've only had about two inches of rain in the last five months. This directly affects the planting of crops. The planting season has already passed. So farmers that wanted to get their, their crops in place had to basically plant their seeds in dry soil and using precious water, of which there's not a lot of, to plant what crops they can. This is not going to be pretty, guys. North Korea just came from a really hard winter because they didn't have enough food to make it through the winter from last year. In 2018, North Korea had the lowest crop output since 2008. So they've had the lo lowest crop output in the last 10 years. 
In 2017, leading into 2018, you might remember that we were talking about North Korea suffering from a huge drop in their crop production of corn, rice, and soybean, their main, and potatoes. These are their main staples. And 2017, they had floods. They had, they had a problem with doing their harvest in 2017. They went into 2018 and not a very good place. I think that probably the, the, the lack of food from also the sanctions where the sanctions have prohibited a lot of aid agencies from wanting to help inside of North Korea because they're not able to take in some of the gear that they want to. They also are not able to do the or conduct the oversight that they want to. You don't have the massive aid that's going in from Japan, South Korea, and America as has been prior to 2017. Well, what happened in 2017? 2017, you were having the testing of nuclear weapons. If you remember, we prayed in 2018, March of 2018. That's when we started to see all the changes inside of North Korea because we were looking at going to war with North Korea in the spring of 2018. So in 2017, when North Korea was testing their weapons and the rest of the world was pulling back, well, that led to the biggest – so if you didn't know, let me share with you again, and we've shared it in other podcasts, but this might be a new podcast for you. If it is, by the way, welcome to the Back to Jerusalem podcast. But the Back to Jerusalem podcast, we were reporting then that there was going to be a huge crisis when it came to food shortage inside of North Korea. Why? Because with the nuclear testing and shooting rockets over the very country that's providing you with a lot of money uh, and food, i.e. Japan and South Korea, was not a wise idea. That was probably the dumbest thing you could do. And so when you're shooting rockets and testing nuclear weapons in the facility and threatening your neighbors, i.e. Japan and South Korea, you bit the hand that fed you. You got a, a, a hand that is bringing you steak and putting it in the cage and you're the dog in the cage and you're biting the hand and the hand drops the steak and so you enjoy that steak eat it up because it's the last one you're getting for a long time because that's exactly what happened the hand didn't reach back in the cage for a long time the sunshine policy from south korea into north korea was shut down and so what we saw was a drastic drop of food well with a drastic drop of food people stopped using or exerting a lot of energy you know what exerts a lot of energy? I don't know. Planting food, farming. Farming is a is a butt kicking job. Anybody that's lived on a farm or done farming will know that it will sap you of energy, and you need to eat a lot. We have a, a farmer friend that comes in and teaches our Chinese and people around the world how to do aquaponics when we do our aquaponics farming. And he's a big boy. He can block some sun, and you know both. Uh, you know, lateral and vertical. So he, when he comes in, he, he, he will tell you, never take advice from a skinny farmer. Well, in North Korea, you have a lot of skinny farmers. Why? Because they bit the hand that fed them. They didn't have the energy to be able to plant their crops, especially work through uh, flooding. And so it's almost been supernatural what's been taking place with North Korea. It's just been horrible. So after the testing of nuclear weapons, that settled down when Trump met together with Kim Jong-un. And there was a lot of people that were looking at it positively, including myself, thinking that the doors would swing open. They did not. So because there was no change in stance from Kim Jong-un, there was no change in the sanctions against North Korea. In fact, they were tightened. 
with the trade war between in, uh, America and China. So one of the things that has happened with the sanctions of North Korea is that they've been enforced by China. That what's, that's, that's what makes the Trump administration different than all the other administrations. The Trump administration tightened sanctions against North Korea using China, unlike the previous administrations of Bush and Obama. And so by working with China, most of the time China says, yeah, we'll, we'll work together with you, wink, wink. And then they don't. Then they supply North Korea with whatever North Korea needs. This time they had the threat of tariffs being slapped on Chinese goods, and Trump followed through with the tariffs. So to keep their end of the bargain, the Chinese have been playing ball with North Korea because they hold all the cards with North Korea. So even though the tariffs went into place, the Chinese have still been holding this card in their hands that has to deal with North Korea. The reason why is because it's one of the few cards that China has. China cannot so much say, well, we're going to slap sanctions or um, put on high tariffs on goods that are coming in to, from America. They've already been doing that. that they have nowhere, no room to wiggle there. They've been doing that for a while. And of course, they hold a lot of American U.S. dollars in their treasury, uh, and then they could just flood the market with that and devalue the U.S. dollar. But then that would devalue their own investments, and they don't want to do that, not until they're in a more stable position. So they're holding on to those U.S. dollars, and they're forced to do so. So they're forced to eat the tariffs, which means that most American consumers don't want to buy Chinese goods because the tariffs are passed down to the customer, making Chinese goods more expensive. Even with currency manipulation, as we've been seeing inside of China, the tariffs are high enough to make the Chinese feel the crunch and Chinese goods to become more expensive. It may sound like I'm talking a little fast. I am. The reason why is I'm trying to get through a little, a few of these small details. It's almost like those, those, those commercials for Viagra or heart disease. Or if, especially if you live in the U.S., you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't live in the U.S., you may not know what I'm talking about. We have people from all over the world listening to this podcast. So let me explain. In the U.S., by law, you have to talk. If you're advertising a drug, a medication on TV, you have to give these warnings. And so what they do is they say, uh, you know, they'll talk about how this um, certain drug can lower your blood pressure, for instance. And so if you take this drug, it can lower your blood pressure. And they'll show two old people walking off into the sunset at the end of, com of the commercial. And then they'll say really, really high speed. Warning, this drug is also known for uh, lack of energy, uh, energy. Maybe you will have high blood pressure. Maybe your heart will stop. Maybe you know, you know, so it goes to all of these things that uh will would could be a side effect of taking this medication and so they have to put it in by law so what they do is they have somebody announce it and read it and then they just hit the fast forward button so it reads across really really fast and so you don't even know what they're talking about they're going so fast mouse moving it's almost like being at an auction in the Midwest where you have an auctioneer again <laughs> another American reference that a lot of people may not be that familiar with unless you've been to an American auction where they're you know speaking really fast and selling items anyway China has been playing ball that has kept goods from going into North Korea and the North Koreans have been filling it so nothing has been changed with those sanctions since they were imposed and slapped on North Korea after doing their nuclear weapons testing. Nothing has changed in the way that there's not been any money given or delivered that we know of thus far to North Korea. 
no promises were made in any of the um, videos that I saw of the, and I, I've watched every single one. And I just, I found, by the way, this last meeting with Donald Trump and um, Kim Jong-un fascinating because Kim Jong-un, did anybody else watch this and get this idea? I mean, I, I felt it. Kim Jong-un reminded me of watching a little boy. He stood there. And when Trump spoke, you can look at, he like looks down at the ground, looking at his feet. He, he, he catches his composure a couple of times. And it's, I think it's the longest that we've ever heard him speak on camera in, in a very long time. He's not the hermit that his father was, Kim Jong-il. But he's also not the, uh, the, he, he doesn't have the charisma of his grandfather, Kim Il-sung, either. So he's a very interesting character, but I haven't seen him as vulnerable or look as shy and uncomfortable in his own skin as he did during the interviews together with Donald Trump. There was a giddiness about him that he was almost suppressing. You could see it come out. And if he, if he giggled a little bit, it was almost like water being, you know, spraying out of a, of a, of a, of a, Area where there's a lot of pressure and there's a small little hole and the hole is exposed for just a second. So water comes spewing out before you catch it. And so if he giggled just a little bit, it came out like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to, how to imitate a dictator's laugh, right? But I, I could see it almost wanting to come out full force laughter and happiness and giddiness. It was a, it was a last minute meeting that was put together. But since 2017, getting back to the situation with North Korea, if you want to know how the church is doing right now, they are doing the same as the rest of the country, which they are experiencing a problem with starvation because they are going through a drought, a serious drought. And the drought is compounding problems from 2017 when they suffered, North Korea suffered a huge drop in crop production and a huge drop in overseas uh, donations and humanitarian uh, food donations. And that was a huge drop as a result of the flooding that they experienced in 2017. It is estimated today that about a half of the country or just more than 10 million people are in urgent need of food and are on the verge of starvation. That's according to a UN report. According to a UN report that was released in May last month, North Korea has been surviving on just most North Koreans have just, according to their estimate. This is their estimate. And this is the good news that's coming out of the country. North Korea has been surviving on just 300 grams of food. And that's about 10.5 ounces, depending on where you're listening to this podcast from, or roughly that's about one big Idaho potato or a small bowl of rice per day. You can look at a 10 ounce Steak, that's a small steak. I won't, I won't look at a 10 ounce steak. If you try to tempt me with a 10 ounce steak, I'll throw the menu at you. I don't want it. What did a 10 ounce steak? That's not even a real steak. What's that? Is that an appetizer? An appetizer, I can take a 10 ounce steak. For a steak on my menu, it should be over 20 ounces at least. I, I want a steak that when I cut into it, you cannot see the top of your knife. If I can see the top of my knife, that is not a real steak. That's a fake steak. Take that fake steak back to wherever it came from and, and, and can it. I don't want it. 
So, I mean, the reason I say that is because a 10 ounce is not even an adequate steak. Definitely not an adequate steak if that's your only meal for the entire day. But I can tell you the 10 ounces that the North Koreans are consuming, it's not a steak. It's probably rice or soy or corn. Oftentimes people are eating corn cobs. Not, Not corn on the cob, corn cobs. Uh, and to completely understand that, you also need to understand the fact that one of the big problems with doing farming right now in, in North Korea is the fact that they had a huge problem with deforestation. So they have a lack of trees. Trees were taken down for both food and fuel. I mean, it's cold in North Korea, especially during the wintertime. And people need fuel. And for fuel, people were cutting down trees. And so there were a lot of trees that were being cut down. They weren't being replaced. Um, the people were eating the bark off the tree as we wrote about in Kidnapped by a Cult. If you haven't read that book, it's one of the books that we've done with President Shen, or President Shen, with Pastor Shen, Pastor Shen of the China Gospel Fellowship, one of the most well-known underground house churches in all of China. He, too, went through a situation inside of China very much like the Chinese or very much like the North Koreans are going through now where they had to strip bark off the tree and use it to make soup. North Koreans are eating anything and everything in sight, including trees. So trees were cut down. Lots of trees were cut down. And when the trees were cut down, there was nothing to hold the the soil on the side of mountains. And North Korea is mostly mountainous. So when it rained, voila, down came all this topsoil dirt. Topsoil dirt is what you use for your farming. Without topsoil dirt, you don't have nutrients in the soil in order to grow crops. Then the soil flowed down off the mountains into the valleys, into the rivers, and were floated out to the ocean. So we're talking about a compounded problem on a compounded problem on a compounded problem, and that all spells disaster for North Korea. Now, in North Korea, what we are seeing is a reforestation where North Korea is putting a big emphasis on bringing back the ability to plant trees and grow forests. So uh, Kim Jong-un has put a big focus on uh, planting trees inside of North Korea. There's, um, there are huge parks now that have trees that have been planted for tree farming so that they can bring back trees in North Korea, which is a very good idea. What's not a good idea is that it's now <laughs> you can, you can be killed. The tree is more important than people now inside of North Korea, which I think there's probably a lot of, um, climate change maniacs that would probably agree with this but now in north korea trees are more worth more than people and in north korea if you cut down a tree you can be killed that is a death sentence in north korea so uh i can predict that there will be a resurge of growing trees so with that what we have seen is that the people inside of north korea are hungry The people inside of North Korea just want things to get better for them. Before the G20 talks in Japan, uh, that was last week from the time that I'm doing this podcast, the end of June, 
uh, two weeks prior to those meetings, President Xi flew to Pyongyang in North Korea and stayed there for two days. Everything that he basically accomplished on that mission was turned on its head. His trip was basically voided. Um, it was, it was, it's no longer applicable because now what you have inside of North Korea is an uncertainty of where they stand with America. America, of course, moving in this, the meeting with Trump was more than just Trump and America and North Korea politics. Um, this is also Trump outflanking China. And so China feeling like they have the only special relationship with North Korea, as they have held for a very long time, they're seeing something that they haven't seen before. And that is a direct dialogue between North Korea and America without China being a part of a three-party solution. So China's always held all the cards in those negotiations, and they like to play the two sides off of each other. China knows this game very well because China did the same thing between America and Russia. When Nixon flew and met together with Mao Zedong, it wasn't just about American politics and China politics coming together. Henry Kissinger knew that that was a way to outflank the Russians. The Russians, which became a huge uh, superpower and, and were also holding nuclear weapons, America knew that by partnering together with China, which was also a Republican uh, under Republican leadership with President Nixon at the time, what you had was a an outflanking of a superpower because Russia was the third party negotiator, so they held all the cards. They could play China and Russia off of each other. China, it wasn't initiated really by. Uh, Nixon, everybody gives a lot of credit to Henry Kissinger, but it really was Mao Zedong's kind of brainchild to show Russia that you need to give us more because if you don't, well, look who we're going to make friends with. That's exactly what I believe Kim Jong-un is doing a little bit of right now, and China knows that game very, very well. That, listen, China, if you don't do what I would like you to do, you're not the only one holding all the cards. We got a few aces up our sleeve as well. We don't need to go through you. We can go directly to America. And we might be able to work out some, some things that you may not be that happy about. Remember that we're the only thing in between you and the 38th parallel. If there was no us, us being North Korea, those troops could easily move right up to the border of the Yanji River and be right on your Edge And also that would give America access to the ocean in the northeastern part of China, which China does not have because Russia reached down with Vladivostok uh, – uh, I'm forgetting how to say that, that city right now. Um, China reached down and cut off the Chinese access to the water, uh, and so China has no northeastern access to the ocean, whereas if North Korea – connects together with America, America being China's enemy, will now have access to naval facilities right on the border of China. China doesn't want that at all. Zero. So what we are seeing is politics playing out, but I also believe that prayers are being answered because war, at least now, who knows what the situation will be tomorrow, but at least now war doesn't look like it's on the horizon for North Korea, but it might be for Iran. If things happen with Iran, things can escalate um, quite quickly, also with North Korea and China. 
Remember, China, a place we're working with, they're also very aggressive in the region right now, taking over huge parts of territory, especially when it comes to the ocean, ocean parts of the ocean that have oil, parts of the ocean that China's never owned before. They're now claiming. Um, and North Korea, they want their piece of the action as well. With the Christians that we are working with on the ground, they are hungrier than ever before. They're starved of resources more than ever before. And we now have very few people working in North Korea to the point where I can't say that much. Before I could say more because there was more activity going on in North Korea. Now there's so little activity taking place in North Korea, I cannot even give hints of the operations that we are doing these days inside of North Korea because it would jeopardize not just the projects, but the people that run those projects. So we need continued prayer. As I was talking with our team yesterday from North Korea, our projects are going well. Our projects are allowing the people to get access to the gospel. And we are looking forward to a distribution of Bibles coming this fall. The fall distribution of Bibles inside of North Korea excites us so much. And I pray that people around the world that listen to this podcast will remember the North Koreans and the North Korean underground church when they find time to pray for those persecuted Christians around the world. I want to thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. God bless you.